Hello and welcome to the Trapital Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Runcy. Before we start off, I want to address two quick things. The first is the radio silence. I was switching spaces. I am now in a co-working space that has a dedicated room for podcasting, for video. It'll just address the sound issues that I've had. I feel like I had listened to some of the past podcasts and while the content was good, I felt like I sound like I was in a tornado shelter. But secondly, we have a guest today. I'd like to introduce Ace Patterson, who is a hip hop artist, and he also works in consumer marketing at Facebook. I met Ace at a conference a couple months ago. Actually, no, maybe a year ago at this point. I forget the exact timing, but we met at a conference. We both realized that we're both Jamaican. We're both from Connecticut and moved to the Bay Area. And when I asked Ace what his full name is, he said, it's Ace Patterson. I told him that's the most Jamaican name I've ever heard of my life. <laughs> Word. Word. Ace, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, yo, yeah. Appreciate it. What's good, everybody? Ace Patterson. Uh, also, hip hop artist, call me Ace is three words, pretty verbatim, like a tribe called Quest. Uh, and yeah, happy to be a part of this, yeah, for real. And I brought Ace on today to talk about one of the more interesting artists who coincidentally also had a home in Connecticut for a while, and that would be <laughs> none other than 50 Cent. I guess Wait, you could say that, yeah. <laughs> have you ever been to or driven by that house? No, nah, not not in any way, shape, or form, yeah. <laughs> Bridgeport, Connecticut, I don't even know how far, where was his house again? Like Stepford or something like that? Like so literally. his house was in Farmington. Okay, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where that's even at. Yeah, it's a little closer to I am than you are. I'd driven by a couple times on the way to something. This was the same house that Mike Tyson had. It's yeah. it's one of the biggest houses in the area, as you can imagine. Fair. I'm from a place where uh, we didn't really have houses. We <laughs> we had projects and stuff. But uh, yeah, not nah, Farmington. Dang, maybe I should go check it out. Anyway, whatever. Well, 50 is interesting because I chose to write about him this week because he was starting to make his rounds around a number of the hip-hop radio stations. But I always found 50 intriguing, both in a good way and a bad way. And that's because he found a way to skate along the cancel culture that we now have and still be a problematic person that says whatever's on his mind, but still has plenty of business opportunities. And he definitely has had some issues where he's had to backpedal. But for the most part, this is someone that can and says whatever is on his mind and never has to face any repercussions for it. But as I started to think a bit more deeply about it, this is really someone that's been doing this his whole career. You go back to the late 90s with the records he was putting out when he first got put on by G-Unit. This is someone that lived and thrived by shot culture. And if anything, we're just now seeing the evolution of that. Uh, what's your take on him? I definitely agree that his, his whole brand is to stand out, right? And the ways in which he's been able to stand out over the years has evolved. I think as the culture itself has evolved, you know, back when it was hyper masculinity all day, I mean, he was the epitome of that. And I think as we've moved into a different lane, he's been able to adapt in a way that um, also reflects his business endeavors and 
Also, I think the fact that he's not really rapping as frequently anymore and he's onto like different things, he has to um, figure out how to, you know, continue to stand out within a hip hop culture specifically without it being surrounded by music. So it's, it's interesting to see how like, you know, from power of the dollar to now Curtis Jackson is like become, you know, kind of like how artists like go from their, uh, the rock to Dwayne Johnson and like in between there's like Dwayne the Rock Johnson and you know like it's interesting to see how he's evolved to like I'm Curtis Jackson while still maintaining that shock value-esque part of his brand. Right that's a good comparison thinking about the masculinity piece I think both him and the Rock fall in that group right they both were big mm-hmm. roughly at the same time. And in the early 2000s, I felt like that was peak wrestling, maybe late 90s, maybe it was a little bit early there, but that was peak wrestling. And was also yeah. someone that wasn't afraid to boast about it and push that lifestyle in every every shape or form. 50 Cent, he reminds me of someone that mechanically figured out how to be successful in this era. I don't know if you remember that interview about will Mm -hmm. smith or that soundbite about will smith him and his agent had looked at all of the movies that were successful like in the beginning of will smith's career Mm -hmm. and saw that 10 of them were all alien movies or they were all like action (laughs) movies where there were things related like that so literally they built the next 15 years of will smith's career to be will smith fighting aliens (laughs) and that's how will smith became the biggest action star of our time 50 cent reminds me of someone that is equally as calculated yeah he built this g-unit persona he knew exactly what he was doing and and of course in many ways it was authentic he's someone that was selling crack and dealing with all that since he was 12 years old but he didn't tone any of that down when he knew that he could have like getting shot was probably the best marketing ploy that he could have done for himself that's a very weird truth (laughs) but it's true you know what i mean i mean you think about how like back then to hear you know you got shot nine times and lived i mean that was that was a huge thing you know i don't remember how how young i was but it was like oh my gosh like he got shot nine times he's a legend you know and like i barely you know (laughs) knew about him at the time um and yeah, I think that combined with the fact that, you know, he partnered up with Dr. Dre and Eminem, that was a huge thing. Because when you think about shock value, again, you're talking about, you know, NWA meets Slim Shady at his prime. I mean, it was just a perfect fit. So they they definitely helped to engineer what ended up being um, kind of what's withstand 50 Cent's career to this point. You know, I mean, Ed Sheeran just had a song the other day with Eminem and and 50 Cent it's like and I still clicked it I I wasn't a fan of it but I still clicked it because there's still like this lingering sense of like ah Eminem 50 Cent the prime years you know that's that's really that's really what helped to catapult him into that mainstream success for sure there's really only a handful of people I would say that ran rap for a considerable amount of time and by considerable I mean at least three years. And you'd honestly have to give that to 50 Cent. You're talking from 2002 when Wankster first got on the radio to by the time that the Ah, massacre came out. I mean, it was his. 
and there were still yep. artists that were popular. Of course, Nelly was big. Eminem himself yep. was big. I mean, Jay Z has that line like, "The only ones moving units is uh, what do you say? M Pimp Juice and us." Yep, yep, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, no, totally. It's interesting at that time too because you look at the brand partnerships and the company deals that he started to have. So many of them were with the bigger brands because his shock value was appreciated and endorsed by the mainstream when Reebok was trying to partner with everything related to hip hop back then. Yeah. He was one of the first people that got the cosign. Totally. Or you look at his vitamin water deal. That was a company that wanted, I think it's a glacier or it was the company that actually ran vitamin water, but they were the ones that wanted to own and um, break out into the beverage scene. Who did they get? They got the biggest rapper at the time to put out his own flavor. Totally. So in many ways, the shock value that he had was amplified by the brands that truly wanted to break out into the mainstream, which of course makes sense. I think we've seen that over time. But most times when artists start to fade away, a lot of those opportunities fade with them just due to their own popularity. And I think with 50, it was a little different. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the real turning point for him was in 07 when he had that popularity um, promotion thing with Kanye West, totally. where they both competed to see who had the best-selling album, which was actually today, 12 years ago. Um, and Kanye beat him. And at that point, it was like, okay, people kind of knew it, but 50 was done. And this is clearly a turning point in hip hop. But 50 was still perceived and talked about as a mogul and one of the people that was um, highlighted and respected for his business prowess. And it's, it's interesting because that wasn't that long ago, but it's a very different way than how 50 Cent is perceived now. Well, you know, it's really interesting about that moment now that you bring it up. Cause I remember, I remember vividly, I remember when I was like, cause even though I was, you know, a kid from a hood, from the hood, I was more like uh, the Kanye West kind of person than I was necessarily a 50 Cent kind of person, but I was still the one like rooting for 50 Cent. So when 50 Cent lost, I took it as like a big dramatic, whoa, <laughs> I was like, no, you know, I was like playing, I get money more than I was, uh, you know, graduation. But what was interesting about 50 Cent is that up to that point, up to when Curtis was about to drop, he already had, as you've mentioned already, these business deals. He already had the cosign and and uh, from Dr. Dre and Eminem. He's already sold millions and millions of albums up to that point, and his brand already existed outside. One of the books I remember, uh, he did the Fifty Laws of Power, and to to right, be able to right. do that book. And his whole brand from the business side, you know, because this this book is like read by like the 48 Laws of Power is read by like, you know, people in the corporate sector. And so for him to create this book and all of it being predicated on the fact that like he has no fear ever since he got shot nine times, it's like screw everything, screw everybody, da, 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 da. And I can say whatever I want to say. I can do whatever I want to do. He already built this momentum within the business industries as a mogul that by the time Curtis dropped, even though it kind of failed in like... Um, I've heard, I remember hearing how, um, that was more of a, like the reason why it kind of flopped was more of like a thing behind the scenes with like record labels, putting in money for marketing and distribution and all that stuff that I don't really know. So I don't want to get into it. Like I do know, but 
regardless of what was happening in the back end, I think the fallout from the music side of things for 50 Cent did not um, dampen his, his uh, kind of like his, his view or his perception as a businessman in, in the corporate world. And I think that helped him to transition when music was kind of down. It was like, oh, well, you know, I have all these other ventures. Let me just skate over here. Or I still know how to navigate partnerships and sponsorships. And I'm still like a multi-platinum selling artist. Like, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, people outside of the hip hop culture are going to still see him. Like he still gets to perform at Las Vegas and still do that one in the club song, like, but he gets money for it. You know what I mean? And so he, he found a way to just like, I don't know, like gracefully bow out of music. I mean, like, I don't know, like he still puts out music, but not in any way, shape or form as the caliber as he was doing prior to that showdown with Kanye West. And I think um, for Kanye West, he was able to, you know, kind of go up more in music after that point um, and get more accepted in the kind of like mainstream traditional uh, hip hop space. Uh, hip hop has definitely evolved at that point because it was less like you could have more rappers like me who's not toting guns and then can, you know, be themselves, quote unquote. And Kanye West's really helped to author that in. But it, that was really a defining moment for various people uh, and various uh, aspects of hip hop culture. But I do think it's interesting, particularly for 50 Cent, because at that moment, it's kind of like, oh, well, I don't have to do music anymore. I have all this other stuff and I've already proven that. So let me just keep going with it. But one of the interesting things about 50 is he had signed a five record deal when he first did the deal with um, Aftermath, Shady, and by extension, Interscope. But I forget which album was the fifth, but it was fairly late in his career. And it goes back to um, something I've talked about in past Trapple articles about the artists that choose that ownership route versus the partnership route. The partnerships that he did clearly brought him to that next level. He was wise to know that he's someone that if shock value is a core part of your business model, then you need partners to help amplify that. Of course, social media now is a tool that helps him do that more, but he definitely was willing to do that. And let's say that 50 Cent only did a three album deal and Curtis was the last album that he put out. I wouldn't be surprised if he had never put out an album mm -hmm. after that. He was already so in tune with everything else he was doing, whether it was speakers or condoms. I don't know if you remember that, but he had yeah. like, it was almost like a master Pete. You remember that whole yeah, thing? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I don't <laughs> He was really, he, he was really embracing every element of yeah. that. And in some ways that reminds me a lot of the playbook that rappers use now. Do you remember that pump plan that, be, that became popular last wait, year? Wait, wait, right? remind me. The pump plan. So that was the little pump plan that made its way through hip hop and made its way through record labels where if you are someone that wants to make it today, you need to do something to create shock value, whether that is tearing down someone else. So Lil Pump put out that song that was called Fuck J. Cole. Mm. You put out a song like that, you get a lot of people to recognize ah. you. And then you are able to continue to capture that momentum and then you use your brand and leverage your influence. Uh, so it's pretty, it, it, it's pretty linear. Well, not linear, but it's a bit more tailored to the Instagram influencer totally. life that 
a lot of these artists have now, but that's not too indifferent from what 50 Cent was able to do. And yeah, had he not had to release records, he, who knows, maybe he may not have even tried to put something else out after after Massacre. But just just, just looking at the momentum that he had and where he's able to go, I think he in many ways set the playbook that a lot of today's rappers tried to follow. That's why the his relationship with Takashi Six Nine was always ironic because this is someone that literally was doing the same type of fuck shit that Fifty Cent was and didn't know where the line was. And this is where we do have to give Fifty some credit. Fifty knows where the line is. He knows yeah. when he needs to stop. But a lot of the people that don't don't, and that's why Takashi's jammed up right now. And that's why Fifty has no problem disowning him in public now. Yeah, no, it's 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 true. I mean, you think about like how to rob. Like that song, from a music perspective, you're just like, it It kind of had the Biggie, you know, Biggie did that song about like all the women that he wanted to sleep with, you know? Oh, yeah, this, dreams. Yeah, dreams. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, dreams. Um, And then you have 50 Cent, which is like, this is, this is like dreams, but in a very violent, like, yo, I'm just going to rob everyone in the industry and this is how I'm going to do it. And it has this, um, it has enough like visual imagery to be shocking. And from a music music perspective, you're like, oh, that's wild. And then he also does Ghetto Quran, which like if you're from the streets and you really understand like who he's talking about, da-da-da-da-da, you're like, yo, this is crazy. But if you're not from that space and you're just trying to put on a, a front uh, and you're trying to like amass the same type of style, but you really don't know what you're doing. I mean, it, it's kind of like a kids don't try this at home kind of thing. You know what I mean? And I feel like with, Six nine, it was very much a gimmick and less of like, yo, this is who I am. I, I really do think that, you know, for Fifty, he's just like, yo, this is this is how I feel. This is what I do. Um, and I know how to get your attention. Um, but I don't feel like I'm in any like I, I don't I don't feel like I'm in any conflict with who I am as a person. And like, you know, kind of like what he said before, you know, if I feel like I'm doing something wrong, you know, I'll I'll stop doing it. Uh, and so that just makes it even more crazy when you're just like, yo, like he's doing a lot of wild stuff and he really stands behind it. And again, like just going back to like, yo, like his, his like 50 cent and Eminem are said in the same breath. You know what I mean? You're talking about somebody who's like, yo, I don't care about anything. Middle fingers up. Da, 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 da. Like that's the whole, you know what I mean? That's the camp. That's the brand. And so it, it just works. Like, if anyone knows about 50 cent, they just assume like, yeah, he, he doesn't care, you know? And it, it's something that he holds on to. Um, people follow it, but if they aren't from what he's cut from, then, you know, things happen, but it's interesting, especially in social media land, because now, especially when he's not doing music, it's like, you know, he's just a troll. He's just a troll online and it is what it is. Um, some of it's jokes. Some of it looks like, oh, he's creating beef. And that's another thing too, like beef, when you're talking about like beef history, like you can't not talk about 50 Cent, right? And so the whole idea of him being a bully, the whole idea of him being like, you know, I strongly stand against this person or I'm strongly for this person, like that's just who he is and you just got to accept it. You know what I mean? Or at least that's how we've been like accustomed to his brand. Like we just accept it. We just know that's who he is. And I think that's why he hasn't been canceled. I don't think he could be canceled to be honest. Do you think that 
and I agree. I don't think that he can technically be canceled either just because of how he manages things. But do you think that he has missed out on any type of business opportunities or anything in general because of how he is? Uh, I don't think he's missed out on like ones that matter to him. You know, I think that the way that he's designing his brand, it's more, it's more like he seeks out these opportunities. Um, so like, you know, his new champagne deal, like from the conversations that he's having with people, you know, he, he realized, okay, like this is an opportunity that'll work for me. And I feel like he's very much like calculated with who he connects with. I'm sure there's people that don't want to work with him, but I'm sure he's equally like, well, I don't want to work with you. And he's kind of fine with it, you know? Um, and he's internationally known. So yeah, I don't think he'll have a problem with finding people that want to work with him. And, you know, on top of it, like he just builds, like he's building equity in other things. Right. And so like his show power, you know, it's on season six. Right. Um, it's just like, he's, he's doing that. He has movies. He's now a director, you know, he's in, he's in different buckets. He's in different lanes. And so, you know, even if like music does not want him anymore, like, which probably still won't be the case, but you know, let's just say like, no one ever wants to hear a 50 cent song again. Like he can go into film. He can go into, you know, liqueur. He could do so many other things that I'm pretty sure he'll, he'll find deals for sure. Yeah. I don't think that his bag would ever truly be stopped. And, and I guess this is a broader sentiment that I have about cancel culture and the impact that it has on people making money in general. And I, I hesitated putting this in the article that I wrote because it may sound as if I am advocating for this, but it's the, but I do believe it's the truth in today's landscape with the increased number of brands and companies that are willing to work with hip hop artists and leverage their brands with the increased number of media landscapes that are, or not media landscapes, media outlets that are willing to put out a particular message that someone has. It's harder for someone to truly see the long-term repercussions of being canceled unless there is a true crime that is committed that puts them behind bars and truly blacklists them from everyone else in their particular industry. Has 50 enabled a lot of stuff and made light of things that are adjacent to issues that a lot of people find offensive? Yes. Do I think that a lot of that is out of line myself? Yes. But in a way, he did pivot himself specifically so that he was truly no longer associated with those types of opportunities and focused on specifically partnering with those companies that either a truly benefited from someone like him that was willing to create shock value and let the internet go wild about what he says, or they're willing to look past it. And I put stars in this category specifically. I don't know if you remember, but it was two years ago, 50 had some dispute with the people at stars and he yeah, put on yeah. Instagram, he was like, everybody, cancel your star cancel. subscription. Yeah. This is ridiculous. Like, I can't yeah, believe yeah. people would treat me. And then yeah. 
a year later, he's sitting down with the CEO of Stars for this like profile uh, on Business Insider, where yeah. they're all back just, on, like, smiling, <laughs> laughing, back on. A, this doesn't happen to most people. This doesn't happen to most black people. (laughs) Yeah. Where in this world does this actually happen? And it's funny because you hear him describe things. It's like he – I think he does a few things. A, he gaslights people and he'll make it seem like something that he said in the past or some type of stance that he had wasn't actually – there. Um, and I think that he has this like yeah. endearing quality to him that a lot of people can like overlook it and not push it that much because he has this like smile on his face and he's just, oh, this guy's just trying to have a good time. For example, supposedly had trolled um, Ja Rule and bought the um, 200 tickets on um, yeah. Groupon for his concert. That was petty. I don't know if that actually happened. I hope it was not. funny as hell. <laughs> he put the picture up of himself at this like empty stadium. But we have no proof of that actually happens. Right. This is the same guy that had uh, lied about like getting Bitcoin or like not even making an investment in Bitcoin. So he, he so he has an ability to do that, and he has the ability to partner with brands that could care less. And I think my comparison is that if he was putting out a show with ABC or some other network that is hypersensitive to the positions that he's in, then it would have happened, right? Or like, like the, people's, ex- the people's clamor. Yeah. Like this is an extreme example, but like someone like 50 Cent would never be able to host the Oscars. No, no. Absolutely not. No. But with that being said, 50 Cent would never want to host the Oscars because then he wouldn't still be able to be a 50 Cent. But no, you're, 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 bringing up a really, you're bringing up a really interesting point. I mean, like, and what's interesting too, right, is like you have, you have, a, um, you have a brand Let's say like, you, you know, you're following this brand. This brand says, hey, cancel this brand. And so you immediately cancel this brand. And then a year later, you're like, you see the brand saying, psych, come back. We're going back on now. It's like, what do I do? You know, it's, it's like you're, you're, I don't know. For me personally, I like to have my own brain and think things through. <laughs> and maybe because like I also have that like business mindset. You know what I mean? It's just like you see, you see how like, for example, there's not going to be another Spider-Man homecoming because of like a business dispute between the, the film right. production houses. Right. And so that's the reason why we're not going to get another Spider-Man, not because the character like died in the movie, you know? And so it's just like, it, it's so interesting to see when like business decisions affect the output of something. And, and what does that, what does that do for the consumers? Where does that leave folks that actually want to consume? And so when you see someone like 50 Cent being like, oh, you know, cancel the entire network, da 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 it's like, should you? Or, you know, what's your responsibility as somebody that's like a fan of power, that's a fan of 50 Cent? Like, do you just go with their every whim? Because if you do, that then creates this whole thing of, you know, whatever you're you're always going to side with the brand that you like regardless of their business disputes regardless of you know their personal life and situations and the things that they do and it's like when do you just kind of like make decisions because you want to and i think that's when it gets like super gray when like i mean that's the whole reason why you know you have certain artists that go on for a long time even though you know that they've done like really bad things you're like, yeah, but I really like their music. I really like the, you know, and it's just like, when, when do you like think for yourself? When do you cut them off? When do you say, no, they're just all talk or, oh, I really need to like think for myself. And it's, 
I don't know. It's hard when you're on the side of the the brand that you like. It's a lot easier when you're you're more casual, when you're more distant, when you're kind of just like a wait and see. I think we live in a culture where like people are not waiting to see. They just jump the first millisecond they see something. <laughs> They're like, yes, no. It's like, or, <laughs> or pause <laughs> or breathe and just figure out what's going on. Understand like the underlying notions of why things are happening the way they are. And then, you know, make a, a calculated decision afterwards. We don't get a lot of the latter. I, I talked with Moody Jones, who leads digital at Empire about this uh, a couple weeks ago on the podcast. And he definitely erred more on the side of separating the artist from the music. That's why he was a not watching the Michael Jackson documentary because he didn't want to see something that would then make him not want to watch the documentary. But then also why he was willing to support XXXTentacion despite a lot of his issues. Me and him don't necessarily mm. agree on the issue, but I mean, that's an example of someone that has chosen that perspective, right? Like the Michael Jackson estate is still in business and will always be in business because there are some people that just aren't choose not to not to do that. But this topic itself does make me think about 50 Cent and other people like him. And I was trying to think about this myself, but are there any good examples you can think of, of people who, like 50, a lot of people may be calling on them to be canceled or believe that they should be canceled, but deep down, there's just too much support and there are too many people that understand the problematicness but find it endearing in a way that person themselves just knows where that line is. Does anyone else come to mind that you could think of that's like 50? Probably, probably like a lot. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's definitely tons, you know, I, the, the one that immediately came just because of the, the breakfast club interview is Charlemagne, right? Like you hear a lot of people say, you know, the things that Charlemagne says is like, just gets out of hand, da, 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 da. but at the same exact time, it's like, he's, you know, he has an opinion, he voices his opinion. He shares what he believes and he, you know, from his perspective, tries to stay as objective as he can. But, you know, a lot of people do get offended by the things that he says. And I do think Charlemagne changed, though, because I think that the Charlemagne from like 2012, 2013 was wilder, was saying (laughs) crazier shit, was more willing to be out there. But I mean, when Charlemagne is at the levels he's at now you know, writing books about mental health and being an advocate mm-hmm. for a lot of that stuff and being an advocate for, um, you know, marriage health and all those types of things. I guess I've seen him toned down. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can even make the same case about 50 Cent, right? Like he's toned down. Um, Joe Budden. You is, think so? Yeah. I mean, like, dude, like he, he was, I, I think he's come a long way from, I want to, like I want nothing to do with Ja Rule. If Ja Rule dies, I'll, I'll be happy to making a like a Photoshop of him at a show. You know what I mean? Like I think there's there's like that's toned down to me. There there was like real violence um, back in those times with the beef. You know, like I don't think he has like real beef anymore. You know, the way I was kind of looking at it, like at the time when I was witnessing everything that was happening in 04, I felt like all that stuff was real. The older I got. I've started to now question the authenticity of some of the things from that beef and started to think, okay, how much of that truly was fabricated because Mm. 50s calculated as hell and actually 
knows that these things are going to happen. I, I forget what it was, but I want to say it was around the time that the massacre came out. The massacre was coming around around the same Dang. the same time as the game's documentary album, and there was some gunshot outside the so studio many or something leading up between one of their yeah. album rollouts. And this was about the time that Fifty and Game yeah, started yeah. beefing. And while I do think that they had legitimate beef, I feel like there was almost like a under the table, like, hey, like you keep pushing this, I keep pushing this too. This is going to help both of our album sales. And I, I, I bring that up to say that in some ways, yes, the actual comments made towards someone like Ja Rule may be worse on the surface, but some of the things that I guess I hear him say now, whether it's stuff about Wendy Williams or stuff about you know, pretty much anything that's happening in pop culture and the frequency. <laughs> I almost feel like he said himself, like he needs to ratchet it up. Like yeah. one of the quotes that I had pulled from the article was that it was actually at that interview he did with the star CEO. And he was like, when I was coming up, I used to be able to say and put out a song, like I'll take you to the candy shop. And that song in itself would create shock value, right? People would be like, oh, wow, never heard anything like this. But now he's like, people are now putting out songs like, you know, you got to eat the booty like groceries. And then that then takes it up to another level. So then he now sees that and feels like he needs to then ratchet it up as well. So I guess that's why I think he's actually worse now than better. Or he recognizes like, the level, and maybe that's it too, right? Maybe the level of shock that you need to have in 2019 is different from the shock value level from back then. And so in comparison, I'm looking at what he's doing now and I'm like, oh, that's not that shocking. Or like, I've seen worse, you know? But yeah, you're right. I, I think he he intentionally wants to do more, whereas Charlemagne definitely wants to do less. I think going back to your question though, there there are still people that are just like, now I'm done with Charlemagne. And I think, you know, the whole point behind that is just you really can't please everyone. Like when you when you have an opinion on something, there's going to be some people that don't like your opinion. They don't like your worldview or your vantage point. And, you know, the the I, I think the two can coexist. You know, I don't think that everyone has to agree with each other in order to work in harmony with one another. Um and so, yeah, there's there's always going to be, you know, disputing opinions. But I think, you know, a cancel culture, you can find anybody to cancel. Um, I do think that, you know, people that are in a, you know, are are like doing criminal activity should definitely, you know what I mean? But outside of that, if it's just folks voicing an opinion... That's why the Kanye thing will be interesting because we're already seeing the buzz come with, I'm sure you see it on social media too, all the clips from the Sunday services. And with each of those clips is people then arguing back and forth about whether Kanye should be canceled. And there's always these comments like, oh, I thought y'all canceled Kanye West, but now everyone's resharing these tweets about him doing the call and response with um, genuine so anxious that he did this past week or having Chance the Rapper and stuff. And if Kanye sticks to his word, this album is about to drop. And when it comes down to it, yes, has the things that Kanye has said been appalling and frustrating and make you want to just say, fuck this guy? A hundred percent. But to your point, has Kanye hurt anyone physically? No. 
And that's where we do have to, at least, we could still be frustrated and still be angry, but there does require some separation between this and, let's say, a R. Kelly or an XXX Tentacion or even a Michael Jackson, where there is strong evidence or true convictions of crimes that these people committed. And on top of what you just said, people are probably still going to listen to his album. Like at the end of the day, like the engagement, people are still going to engage. And so people say a lot of things, but your actions speak louder than your words. And there's, you know, the stream count goes up, the views, the likes go up. These are not, these are not by happenstance. And so, (laughs) you know, it's like you're trying to lose weight, but you keep eating onion rings. There's, it's what you're engaging with. Uh, it doesn't match what you're saying out loud. So um, if you truly do want to cancel someone, if you're really done, then then just be done. And, and that's it. Um, but the whole clamor online of, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's like, you know, when it's 10 p.m. and the album just dropped on Pacific time, you're going to listen to the album and you're going to have opinions as to why you don't like the album. And <laughs> they're still going to be getting money and doing their tours, et cetera. So I don't know cancel culture is interesting to me where do you think cancer culture goes 10 years from now obviously this is something that truly wasn't it was a thing 10 years ago in 09 but it really wasn't a concept that was named but like in 2029 where do you think this goes i don't know because you know it really just comes down to the democratization of technology and the fact that everyone has a speakerphone everyone has an opinion and is able to get it out. And I feel like the reality of everyone having an opinion is not new, obviously, but the fact that folks can voice it on an equal playing field um, makes it interesting. It makes it louder. Um, So I don't know, there could be like some type of restriction, (laughs) you know, 10 years from now, there, there could be like a really large clamp down on like, you know, back to the gatekeeper way, back to like only one voice for a certain group of folks um, and limit the amount of noise that you hear. Or it could just be straight chaos, <laughs> just straight chaos. And I can't even. The the cyclical nature of media, of hip hop, of a lot of things makes me think that things may eventually, I guess from a theoretical perspective, things may eventually revert to having a few people that have the power right? And in some ways, that still does exist to some extent. But the fact that people can still get their voice out there, and there really was no access unless you had those, change. So theoretically, I feel like things may cycle back. But to your point, we're on a wave where technology isn't being restricted. It's being amplified more and more. People are being able to have more of that access. Any other thoughts on 50 Cent, cancel culture, power, any of that? Get Rich or Die Trying is still one of my favorite albums, so that's that's all I got. <laughs> it's still a classic. I'll give him that. Still a classic. Still a classic. Uh, I, I, I don't give out the classic um, award to too many albums. I'm pretty restrictive of that, but I'll I'll, I'll give it to that because I mean, if you think about it, when you it, hear the quarters drop at the beginning of the album, you know the rest is gonna be fire. Like that's it. That's all. It's, I it's got. one of the best intro tracks ever for like a six second thing. You know exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah, it was one of the best tracks. Yeah, it it does not count for any streaming on Spotify because it's less than thirty <laughs> seconds. But uh, 
it, it's gold. It's gold. That's a question. What would the intro track to Get Rich or Die Try and sound like now? Would it just be the quarters like spinning on a table a bunch for of 31 quarters. seconds? Just so we count. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So to close things out, Ace, tell me one thing that you'll be checking for this week that you think our Trapital audience should be Yo, checking for. I really want to watch this this Wu Tang saga on Hulu. Uh probably a little behind. But I just came back from a all-week conference last week, so I need to catch up on a lot of things, and that's one of those on my radar. Yeah, it's funny. I've, I've, I do want to check that out myself. I've, I've heard mixed things, but I always want to give those things a try. The thing that I need to... Yeah, I'm not listening to anybody right now. <laughs> Good for you. Sometimes it's better off. I, I do the mistake of asking people that have seen things, hey, what do you think about this? And then sometimes letting wow. that gauge my opinions. But Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going in full force. <laughs> No one talked to me. That's good. Uh, the, the one thing that's on my list that I still need to check out is this docu-series that Amazon put out about Meek Mill. Um, yes. Have you checked it out yet? No, not yet. That's also okay. on the list. It's funny, though, because as I'm talking about one of my faults with this, I did the thing I shouldn't do. So for some context, one, I I tweeted this out a couple of weeks ago, but I have this thought that I feel like I understand the way between docu-series and all these limited series, but I think a lot of them are too long sometimes. And I think it's great to have the art form, but there's nothing wrong with just a tight hour and 30 minute doc that is well-made. Like not everything has to be a four-part series just because Amazon allows you to have a four-part series. But with that being said, I asked my wife who saw it, I was like, how was the Meek Mill documentary? She was like, oh, it was interesting. It was good. I was like, did it need to be four episodes or however long it was? She said no. And then ever since then, I like <laughs> mentally deprioritized it, which isn't uh, fair to Meek because I've always uh, supported not. his work. I actually went and um, bought championships because I cared about him making it and come, truly having a comeback. So yeah. I will do my best to check that out. You got to. Mando. Me as well. All right, man. Well, I'll catch you next time. All right, Joe. Have a blessed one. You too. Take care. If you've enjoyed this Trapital podcast, please tell one friend about this podcast. Go ahead and go to Trapital.co. Check it out. Stay tuned. And I'll see you all next week.